open up your books, you bad apples. And by that, I mean I started recording. How about you show me some of those pretty little wavelengths? Uh, uh, oh, oh my uh, God, it's perfect. <laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. Uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti. La, ti. Do, a, di, re, a, a female, di, re. <laughs> You know, when I'm I'm uh, just going around, walking around here in Germany, I always feel like that lady from The Sound of Music. Like I'm singing, you know, the flowers are blooming. It's a good time. And that's a movie. Oh, yeah. A classic. Every time I went to my grandma, she, uh, she made sure we watched that. And it actually is why my dad hates any type of musical because he's seen that movie so many times. He watched it too many times. Yes, and he's sick of it. That's really sad. <laughs> and you apparently didn't get sick of it. Oh, no, dude. I could watch that for days, to be honest. I'm really glad to hear it. Yeah. Um, anytime, anytime I'd go out to Casey's place when we were younger, every single time, I was like, hey, man, let's watch the South Park movie. I remember that. Yeah. And hey, here's something kind of funny, too. Just to show, well, for one, you probably shouldn't be watching that when you're like 10 or whatever, even though it is still, I mean, it's like one of the best movies ever. Awesome musical too, obviously, <laughs> but um, I'm pretty sure I watched that movie five times before I realized that Saddam Hussein was not <laughs> Hitler. That's how I got introduced to Saddam himself. It was from because that movie. movie. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea who he it's, was. Right in the beginning, the newscast is like, today marks five weeks since Saddam Hussein was killed by a pack of wild boars and nobody, nobody's yet to care or whatever like that. I don't think that's what happened to him in real life, though. Is he alive? No. Um, alrighty. Four minutes into recording. Uh, you, you call that a rapper? <laughs> yeah, that's episode two, everybody. I hope everyone... <laughs> Learn something through listening to this episode today. Um, we'll be covering chapter three sometime in the near future, or part three, should I say. Yeah. Um, stay cool out there and have a nice night. Alrighty. Alrighty, enough of this. Enough, yeah, enough, enough of, of the crap. We're doing episode two, guys. Let's be real. We're doing episode two. Yes, part Alrighty. two. Yep. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of the Bad Apple Book Club. I am your host, Lucas Nord. And I'm your other host, Cole Lang. And thanks, Cole, thanks for being Cole here, guys. Powell. What's up? What's up? Uh, how is it going today, man? Pretty well. We're here, part two. And yeah, didn't think we'd make it this far, but here we are. Didn't think we'd make it this far, but here we are. Yeah, I guess. The- Just goes to show what hard work and determination can lead you to yes the critics love the first episode so much that the audience was just uh demanding a sequel so and and we're gonna give it to the people so we were originally just planning on doing one single episode yep yeah but yeah like you said the fan outcry was just too high to to be ignored no and just the claim we've had in the past month has been insane otherworldly almost yes yes i suppose for a for a quick recap 
was there anything you wanted to say about the first part of the book? We obviously ended on the note of the murder of the old pawnbroker woman and her sister. Yep. We kind of got to know Rodion Romanovich Raskolnikov a little bit. A mouthful. Kind of saw the way or saw the way he thinks. Met a few characters that might uh, enter the play at some point later on. Yeah, yeah. So the last time we left off, he, like you said just got done with the murder and just got back to his room and decided to crash. And that's where part two picks back up. The, the, the perfect crime he had planned out in his mind, we saw did not go according to plan. No bit, bit of a mess, bit of a mess. Few things fell through the cracks. Yes. And, uh, we will definitely see how raveled his, mind is at this point after the crime he's a bit scrambled yeah he's not in a good condition at all this isn't you know he thought he would be um so successful after this but we'll we'll see that that's definitely not the case yes all right so like i was saying earlier he just got back to his room committed the crime and he tries to fall asleep but he can't and he becomes very paranoid. And like we were saying earlier, he, he's just like a total mess at this point. He, he realizes mm-hmm. that he didn't lock the door. Usually he just leaves the damn door open. Uh, so, you know, he did one of the two steps. He just didn't lock the door. Right. Um, and he also has a very small stain of blood on his trousers. Very, very small. But... He also notices that he didn't hide the items he stole. So he places them in this hole that he conveniently has. Uh, a little a, a little hole in the corner of the room. And uh, he stuffs the possessions inside there. And I think that there's uh, little bits of wallpaper that could potentially cover it up a bit or something like that. Or it's at least out of sight enough to where it wouldn't be a problem for anyone coming into the room. I wonder what kind of wallpaper he has, like in that room. Probably something with like horses on it or something. I picture, I picture the the Russians of the eighteen sixties were big into horses. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Raskolnikov, big horse guy. You know, big that's something guy. that we forgot to mention in the first episode <laughs> is that he just has this huge passion for horses. For horses, so. there isn't there isn't a, a chapter goes by with him, without him uh, talking about horses to someone. <laughs> His whole plan is so he can get the biggest uh, Budweiser stallion. <laughs> okay, wait. Just a quick sidetrack here. <laughs> Is that related to the beer, or is the beer named after a horse? <laughs> I don't know. I just know that it's like the biggest marketing uh, thing that they've done, and it, it's Budweiser successful. Stallion. Yeah, it is that Budweiser, is... right? They're the ones with the carriage and stuff. That sounds correct. We'll go with it. We'll go with that. Sure. Yep. yep, yep. <laughs> it's it's written. It is it is officially written now. But no, we do not know if Raskolnikov is actually a horse guy. That's just what we assume. But just a bit of tomfoolery. Yeah. So he <laughs> places like those items in the wall, and then he sits in a chair and he can't fall asleep. Well, he he falls asleep, but it's only for like five minutes, and then like he wakes up instantly and he's like, "Oh my gosh, I didn't 
put away the rope that I used to hide the axe earlier that he had inside his suit. The little rope type device that he sewed into the armpit of his coat so that he could carry the axe on him. Yes, exactly. So at this point, it's very evident that Raskolnikov's like own paranoia is torturing him. And this is basically his punishment for the crime. He becomes very cold and once again lies down. And despite his best efforts, he can't move. So he's almost like in a state of paralysis. Yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a comatose thing or something like that, I suppose. Yeah, and I don't blame Paralysis the dude. Paralysis is probably putting it better. Yeah, and I don't blame the dude. He had a very big day yesterday. Big day. Yes. But this is pretty much, this is stopped shortly, his rest, because his maid comes back up and she's like <laughs> knocking on the door and she's like, he's locked himself in as if he's worth stealing and... I'm sorry, but this is not the time to be uh, making Rascal on the cuff very angry. But yeah, no, uh, he's going through a lot right now. Yes, just leave the guy be. He doesn't want he doesn't want the three spoonfuls of soup. <laughs> he doesn't want the cracker or whatever they would have for supper back then. Just lay off a little bit. Yeah, let the man be. There isn't much he can be. do. But <laughs> uh, but like like we we're saying in the last episode, his room is so small. And so like he's laying in bed and all he has to do is like lean up and grab the door and unlock the door. And that's how small his room is. But, the room compared to a closet yeah. or a cabinet. Yep. Yep, exactly. Very small and obviously takes a toll on himself. Mm hmm. And then the, so there's a janitor that's also with, and he has a letter from the police station that, that that's a summon for Raskolnikov to go to the police station. And he never disposed of like his um, trousers with the blood stains, and he's like holding on to them like as if it's like a brand new Christmas present. And trying to hide this and then the maid is like oh look he has some type of treasure <laughs> he's he's clinging to this stuff for dear life yes because like we were saying he just does not he did not uh make an effort to clean up at all but after this once again he makes his way to the streets and heads to the police station he gets there and is directed to a clerk he gets to the office and Raskolnikov just stares at the clerk and the clerk like stares down for a little bit but then he's like uh what do you want and Raskolnikov gives him the letter and the clerk informs him that his landlady reported that he hasn't been paying rent the clerk also yells at him for being late and Raskolnikov mm -hmm. is like you know what you should be very thankful. I feel very ill. I just committed a murder. He didn't actually say that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and I just got the notice like 15 minutes ago. So you got to really work on your delivery time here, guys. I should uh, still be in bed. Yes, I am very busy. 
<laughs> so the clerk accuses him of uh, yelling, and Raskolnikov replies, uh, it's actually you who is yelling. You can't yell at a student. So this whole uh, transaction is just kind of like, uh, it reminded me of the Big Lebowski when they get in the car after the bowling alley, uh, when Walter shoots the gun, and then uh, the Big Lebowski is like, uh, Walter, you really looked at made us look bad back there and he's like i'm calm uh calmer than you are (laughs) (laughs) um oh yeah plus i i also really like the fact that raskolnikov is probably no saint in the uh in the dispute here either he probably is yelling right back at the person oh no he yeah he has a very short fuse so yeah this conversation is just a mess but then the clerk ends his argument by saying, you know what? You can't yell. This is a government building. Uh, we must be quiet. We must be respectful. But, Very library-like. Yes. So be quiet. Raskolnikov tries to explain his situation. Like He's, he's like, you know what? I'm, I'm so poor and I've been so ill for the longest time and that's why I can't pay, pay the rent. And then the clerk's just like, I don't care about your life story. And and then he goes on to explain that he was dating the landlord's daughter and she was letting her or letting him stay there for free. And then right. unfortunately, uh, she died. So the, yeah, the, the clerk, after Raskolnikov explained the whole situation to it, the clerk hit him with the first uh, the first instance of cool story, bro, to ever be ever be written in history. No, no, no. no. It was more like a. Damn, that's crazy. Oh, sure. Kind of maybe like when Raskolnikov met Mormelodov in the tavern <laughs> right at the beginning. And he's just having having all this stuff poured out onto him that he probably isn't very interested in hearing. Yeah, so like now the roles are reversed and it's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Raskolnikov, he was dating the landlady's daughter and... um yeah, once he gets done with that story, once again, the clerk's like, I, I don't care. And then he has Raskolnikov sign the IOU. As Raskolnikov begins to exit the building, he overhears two detectives talking about the crime he committed. And then uh, <laughs> at that instant, he faints. It's not a good look on him, but... Not suspicious at all. No, not at all. But when he awakes, the two detectives question like his whereabouts because he just fainted on the spot like when they're discussing the murder. So it's very weird. And then they're like, oh, whatever. And they decide to let him go. But Raskolnikov, he's already paranoid and he worries heavily that they sp- suspect him of these murders. So he returns to his room where he gathers up his stolen goods and tries to make a plan to hide them. And he goes outside and he paces around this river for 30 minutes, just (laughs) thinking about where he should hide the stuff. The perfect spot. So he's like, I know what I'll do. I'll uh, hide it under this big old rock. And it's a 60 pound uh, rock that he hides it under. So like he's very a sickly dude so the fact that he could lift this thing is actually pretty impressive but he puts the items under it and then he's like oh my gosh i'm a fucking genius like a rock who would have thought of that shit 
See, yeah, who's going to go flipping rocks over, you know? That's very true. Yeah, I I, I would have not as sp- suspected that, you know? Of course not. It's like uh, it's like those little key rocks that people get for their houses when they lock themselves out. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> there's just that one plastic rock that looks a bit off. The one plastic rock that does not look anything like a rock. <laughs> it looks more like a potato. It does look a bit like a potato. But then, yeah, he begins to wander again after he hides his his stuff, his stolen goods. And then he comes across his friend's house, Resumian. And he goes up to Resumian and he can't, his friend can't believe his eyes. He's like, oh my gosh, like you look so bad, dude. Because like <laughs> the last time they've seen each other was, has been months. And yeah, so he just tells him, oh, you look so bad. And Raskolnikov is like, what the fuck? Like, I look pretty good right now. And he starts to exit. <laughs> and then his friend says, stop, you queer fish. And uh, <laughs> that, that's enough to make him stop because <laughs> Raskolnikov stays for a moment. And Razumian offers him a job to translate some German texts. So they, he works for like, he has some ties with publishing. One of the right. and one one of the topics they cover one of the books is or I guess one of the thesis is, or the theories is like are women human beings, uh, which was like a really weird thing to uh, throw in there in the book, but yeah, it just makes Very me controversial. Wonder. Yes, yes, but Raskolnikov Raskolnikov takes these. Um, sheets and and the money he's offered and just walks out without without saying a word (laughs) like he didn't even uh say oh yeah sure dude i'll i'll get these texts translated uh he just walks out with the money um but he exits and then not long after he's like all right i'm gonna go back up and he returns the paper and the money and then his friend's like, you're fucking crazy. And Raskolnikov just replies like a moody teenager. And he's like, this was the exact quote. He's like, I don't want translations. <laughs> and then he exits the building again. He's so. a very busy man, but it was it was good of his friend to offer him offer him a bit of help. Because like, uh, like you were saying, he can clearly tell that Raskolnikov has fallen on some hard times, but... I guess Raskolnikov is, uh, in his mind, he's looking good and feeling better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and just like his friend, um, Raskolnikov treats him like total shit all the time. But Razumian is just like such a good friend and realizes that his friend, there, there's something a bit off with this Raskolnikov. Yeah. And um, yeah, he's always he's trying to different. support him. Yeah. Yeah. Very different from the last time they met each other. Um, and then he exits and he wanders the streets again. And once again, he's just really delirious and he's almost ran over by a carriage and the man in the carriage starts whipping him and, Uh. (laughs) and like everyone in the crowd just starts laughing at him. And then like, as if this isn't embarrassing enough, like an old woman comes up to him and mistakes him as a homeless man and gives him money. He's Uh, having an eventful day. (laughs) Uh, and then he, um, 
finally makes it home after wandering for six hours and <laughs> crashes on his sofa. So oh, yeah. he's just like out and about and, you know, just getting the worst uh, end of the stick everywhere he goes. But he finally does make it home and he hears fighting and screaming and he thinks it's his landlady being beaten by the police detective he came across from earlier. So he tries his best to get up, but once again, he's kind of like in this sleep paralysis. And then after about like 10 minutes, the cries and the beating stops um, and, and the maid comes back up with some soup and bread. So he asks her like, why were they beating the landlady? And she is like, what the fuck? As if she's seen a ghost and tells him that nobody has beating the landlady. And um, her diagnosis is that Raskolnikov has tinnitus. (laughs) She's just like, I think you have tinnitus. Like you're hearing crap. Yeah. He's, he's sitting here in his empty room and he's uh, experiencing some auditory hallucinations. Ooh. Very spooky. Yes, very spooky. And and just like adds to, because usually sleep paralysis usually is combined with auditory or visual hallucinations. So yeah, that is very scary. I know. I could probably count on one hand how many times I've personally had sleep paralysis and it is is a, a different experience. I've thankfully never have had it. I don't want to. There's a first time for everything, bud. Yeah, tonight, bring it on. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Get a little um, feeling of Raskolnikov of what he's feeling. Right. Really immerse yourself in the book. Yes, and that's what you get on this podcast, let me tell you. We go all in. All in. So Raskolnikov, he fades in and out of consciousness, but he's mostly out of conscious like out of a conscious state for like four days when he is awoken he is surrounded by his friend Razumian, the maid and a stranger the stranger has brought some money that was sent from his mother and raskolnikov is like leave me alone like i need to go back to sleep (laughs) even though he's been doing this for like four days days Um, and then they're like, Raskolnikov, just sign the fucking paper. Like, it, it's as if a UPS man comes to your house and, like, wants you, wants to deliver a package and, like, you're right at the door and you won't take it. Um, and they're just like, just, you know, this man probably just wants to get on with his job. So he finally signs the acknowledgement and the man leaves. And then you need, in, uh, you need that signature. Yes. Yes. Can't leave without it. No. And Razumian, his friend, starts feeding Raskolnikov like just a couple spoonfuls of the soup and stops because we learned that a doctor has been seeing him and he doesn't quite know what Raskolnikov's diet should be. As his friend is giving him some tea, Raskolnikov is like thinking to himself, he's like, oh, yes, this is good. I need to act like this weakling even though he can eat and drink on his own. Yeah, because then it kind of, I suppose, gives off the impression, like, I couldn't, I couldn't axe murder two people. Look at me. I can't even, <laughs> I can't even hold a spoonful of soup. Yeah, I can barely put down three spoonfuls of soup. You expect me to have the energy to kill a woman? You fu- <laughs> are you crazy? 
but his friend continues like talking to him just because once again, they haven't seen each other in a very long time. And Raskolnikov is just like annoyed and like he's in his bed and he just turns his back to his friend and faces the wall like mid conversation mm-hmm. in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and just shows Razumian, he's a pretty good friend, you know, he, he could have been like pissed off and left, but he decides to stay. And so he brings up the detective uh, that we mentioned earlier and Raskolnikov gets very furious Razumian tries to leave and then Raskolnikov keeps asking like what he wants and Razumian replies are you afraid of having let out some secret so like Raskolnikov just kept on like pressing him and because anytime his crime is brought up he's very curious about it and then Razumian kind of notices that something's a bit off right so the maid and his friend leave the room, Razumian, um, and Raskolnikov stands up and <laughs> he goes to drink this half full glass of beer, room temperature beer. And as soon as he puts it down, he faints again. Uh, so he, he's once again like awoken and surrounded by Razumian once he wakes up and... And the maid is there as well. His friend has a package. He can't wait to show Raskolnikov. He pulls it out and he has a bunch of new clothes for him, which is so cool of Razumian once again. And then he's like, yeah, I paid like $100 on these uh, Nike Air Boosts for you, buddy. Uh, We got a summer outfits for you, uh, fall fashion. We got that. And then I also got you a couple winter coats. So, yeah, he just, like, got back from, like, some outlet stores and bought Raskolnikov, like, a bunch of clothes. Perhaps a nice new hat that people won't be leering at so much. Yeah, maybe, like, he got him... uh, Something a little more stylish, like perhaps a fedora. Yeah, a fedora. That would be pretty cool. That's very hip these days, especially. Very hip. Um, yes. But who knows? Maybe like some su- Supreme was sprinkled in there. Um, sure. We're trying to make him look good because we want Raskolnikov to start taking on this road of redemption. And But Raskolnikov is like, this is so stupid. Like my sickness cannot be cured by new clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, he gets changed and then shows off. You know when you get new clothes and your mom, like, checks to make sure they fit? Like, when you're a child in school? Okay, I thought you were speaking from previous uh, experience recently. No, 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 no. I thought that you and mom just went to JCPenney six months ago. (laughs) Yeah, she's, like, tucking on my clothes and making sure they're the right size. Oh, oh, Cole, you got an extra large? You know you don't fit in those. Everything Uh, fit. Everything has to fit right. Yeah, but... And, like... You know, mom, she's got to make sure that the clothes match, you know, not wearing too funky of colors, um, making of sure your socks match. That was a big one. That was a big one. But She's only looking out for your best interests. Very true. Otherwise, I would have got picked on uh, even <laughs> e- even more, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's saying something. Yeah, that's saying something. Like, you didn't think it could get worse, but with uh, some mismatched clothes, it definitely could have. 
So yeah, the Raskolnikov is looking good. He's got these new clothes on. He shows them off. And then he goes back to bed. The doctor, Zasimov, enters the room to check up on Raskolnikov. And Raskolnikov becomes very defensive. And he's like, I'm perfectly perfectly fine, doc. Nothing nothing to see here. Like, I, I can't put down these three spoonfuls of soup, but I'm fine. Yeah, uh, feeling like a million bucks. A million bucks. Uh, and then Razumian, he's discussing a party he is having and He's like, Raskolnikov, you want to come? Because, you know, he's he's a good friend. And then um, and then Raskolnikov is just kind of like, eh, whatever. And then Razumian mm-hmm. and the doctor discuss the murders and find out that the two painters that were painting a room in the building of the murder have been accused. So I don't know if we mentioned in the first episode, but there was two painters in the room um, on the day of the murder. In, the, in one of the rooms. Yes, in one of the rooms, not the room itself. It, and since uh, Raskolnikov snuck out like he did, they are left the only two, um, I suppose, realistic culprits through the eyes of everyone else. And we're also hearing a lot of a lot of talk about this murder. It's obviously a big deal, but uh, it's the talk of it the maybe town. a little bigger of a deal than he expected. Yeah, it's definitely trending throughout the yep. newspapers. And the but yeah, so the painters, those are discussed and, and they'll come into play throughout this book. And Razumian doesn't really believe they committed the murders because the only evidence they have is that they had earrings from the pawnbroker in their possession. Um, and then Razumian starts explaining his stance and one of the painters recalls that one of the doors was open in the pawnbroker's <laughs> building and the item they took was behind it. And at this moment, Raskolnikov awakes and he's like, behind the door, behind the door, you say, and falls back asleep. <laughs> so After just being in like a trance for however long. Yes, uh, because like this just triggers any, anytime he hears of the crime, he becomes very interested or the scene of the crime. Uh, but he falls back asleep and then Razumian explains that he's just kind of like, oh, that was kind of weird. He explains that the witnesses during that night saw that the two painters were wrestling and giggling around the time of the murder. <laughs> so there's no, these boys were having fun and, you know. They're having a good time. Yeah, compared to Raskolnikov, you know, he's losing his mind after the murder. There's no way these boys could have done it because they're having a good time. But a man enters and he enters the room that they're all in and looks at the doctor. This already tiny room filled with whatever, at least three or four people by now. Yeah, so it's like very claustrophobic and it's in the middle of the summer. So it's like very disgusting right now. Ugh. Yeah, so like another man just adds to the mess and he looks at the doctor Mm -hmm. and he's like, are you Raskolnikov? And then the rest, the doctor is like, no, he's on the sofa. What do you want? And then the man's like, holy crap, uh, that man's a mess. And then Raskolnikov takes like a few minutes and then he's like, I am Raskolnikov. And then the man, he, he announces himself and he's like, I'm Peter, uh, your sister's fiance. And then Raskolnikov, he just sits there quietly because remember in the first uh, part he did not like this man just from the letters that he wrote. 
Oh, Peter, Peter Petrovich. Yep. But the man keeps explaining. He's like, I sent you a letter. You, sh- you should know who I am. I'm pretty fucking important. And then Rus- I'm Raskolnikov. Yeah, I'm kind of a big deal. Exactly. And then Raskolnikov just responds, I know who you are. And that's enough. And then he observes Peter and notices like he's a man of about 45, um, but he looks fairly young for his age and has very nice clothes on. And this then, guy carries himself well. Yes, because he is of a wealthy um, occupation. I believe he works somewhere in the government. He right. tells them that he has made lodging arrangements for Raskolnikov's like sister and mother. And then like he tells what location he's having them stay at. And then everyone in the room is like disgusted because it's probably comparable to like uh, a two-star hotel. So something something real real cheap and not very uh, exciting for those with lavish taste. Yes, exactly. Like it probably doesn't have color TV. Probably doesn't have fish. <laughs> um, probably doesn't have continental breakfast. Just a total Ooh. disappointment. Yeah, you gotta have your your homemade waffle the next morning. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. It, it just hits. It hits different and it hits right. pretty good. And then Peter, he's just like, well, I, there's no Google at the time. And uh, I don't know this area at all. So you guys should be thankful that I did give them lodging in the first place. And then he explains that he's one of the cool old guys, like he's hip and likes the younger generation and their progressive ideas so like he's just like this super old guy but Mm -hmm. at the same time he's like oh i heard you boys like conversations about climate change huh uh you like um talking about universal health care and like just all this weird stuff you know you wouldn't expect it from like this old guy in in like today's terms a 45 year old guy yeah, but like you can tell that he's just like putting on a total front because then he's like, yeah, you know what? These progressive ideas, I've heard them out, but they kind of suck. Like the rich still can't be taxed that much. And then he does like a complete 180 and he's like, <laughs> yeah, we really need to keep the fossil fuel industry around and uh, climate change. You know, I'm going to be dead by then anyways. <laughs> so he just like does this complete turnaround and then but it's important to realize at this time that like there's a lot of economic and social reforms so peter is just not nailing it on the head he's not coming off as a progressive at all he's coming off as like a dick basically right he also explains like so there's a lot of uh, freed serfs, like the liberation of serfs. Serfs just happened not too long ago. And then he is like, yeah, you know what? Um, this liberation of serfs, it's really uh, led to a rise of crime because everyone wants to get rich quick. And then Raskolnikov is like, well, what's wrong with that? Like he hasn't like said anything <laughs> this whole conversation, but he's super offended that uh, <laughs> Peter doesn't see I'd eye it with him on this. And everyone then, needs money. Yeah. 
So that, this conversation is just so funny the whole time. Um, and then Raskolnikov, he explains that basically the reasons why he hates her. He's like, you have complete control over my sister because there's a huge difference in their economic class, right? And he's just thinking that he's taking advantage of her, so she's super dependent on him. And then Peter can't believe what Raskolnikov just said, and then he's like, oh, you're so ill. And then uh, Raskolnikov has enough, and then he kicks him out, and then he tells him to go to hell. Uh, Just because like (laughs) Peter's like, "Uh, you look pretty sick, my dude. And then he also kicks out like his friend and the doctor. And then once they're outside, they're like, you know, um, the only thing that really gets him interested is this talk about the murder. Like, I guess he's just like a total true crime fanatic. Um, yep. And then the the maid was there the whole time. It, like, she didn't leave. And then she's like, do you want some tea, Raskolnikov? And then she's like, he's, he responds and he says, I'm sleepy, leave. Once everyone leaves the room, well, the maid leaves the room, Raskolnikov gets dressed in his new hip clothes, probably wearing his Supreme shirt and uh, Gucci flip-flops, all that. And then there's street music like just being played, and he approaches the man that's playing and asks him, do you like street music? I love when it's playing, when everyone looks so depressed and it is raining outside. So just like a super weird thing to say to uh, a street performer. And then the man yeah. just like straight up leaves. He's not having it. And then Raskolnikov heads to a tavern once again. And once inside, he orders a tea and asks to see the newspapers from the last five days. Because, yeah, like we're saying, the talk of the murder has been trending about. So he finds an article about the murder, and it's just really good reading material, and he a real page-turner, so he, he can't put down the newspaper at all. And, of course, you know, the, the next day after the murder, it was probably a big deal, but it's been almost a week now. Yeah, because he's just been, like, in and out of consciousness, for everybody knows about this thing yeah yep the true crime junkies are just loving it right now then the detective that he interacted with earlier sits right next to him at the tavern and then raskolnikov tries to put on you know a friendly face and just smiles uh pretty awkwardly and doesn't come across as normal once again and then the detective asks about what he's reading in the newspapers and Raskolnikov responds by saying uh, why are you so interested in what I'm reading and then the detective says uh, it's just a question and then out of nowhere Raskolnikov is like you're a man of culture right and the detective responds well I guess I hit up the gym every once in a while and then Raskolnikov just starts making fun of him he's like oh you like to hit up the iron huh Uh, looking good for the ladies just totally destroying him for going to the gym and then the he goes on to discuss that he was reading about the murders and he came here just to read about the murders so he would have an access to the newspapers the detective doesn't seem to care and then raskolnikov says this was the same murder you were talking about right when i fainted right does it make sense now and he just like starts laughing 
And the detective is just like, this guy is so strange. A little kooky. Just a little bit. And then the de- or the detective talks about the murder, and he explains how sloppy the crime scene was. And then Raskolnikov <laughs> really takes this one to heart. Like, this one just yep. pierces him. And then he responds, or no, he explains, well, if I would have done the crime, I would have done A, B, C, D, and basically goes through all the steps that he did when he did the crime. And uh, he wants the detective to admit that he believes he committed the murder. He's just like, come on, uh, doesn't it all make sense now? And then the detective is just like, you're just crazy, dude. And then Raskolnikov pays for the food and says, wait a second, how did I get this money and these new clothes? And he just leaves the bar, leaving the detective behind. And he's just super confused. Yeah, I was going to say, that would probably leave you a little frazzled if something like that happened to you. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had a conversation like this. And I I don't hope to. <laughs> no. No. Uh, but outside, he runs into Razumian, And Razumian tells him, you should be inside. You can barely eat soup right now. And Raskolnikov mm-hmm. gets like very moody. And he's like, just leave me alone. And Razumian tries to invite him to a party, but Raskolnikov is just like, he just walks away. And Razumian stands there and he's like, well, if you want to go to the party, uh, just let me know. Shoot me a text. Um, <laughs> but Raskolnikov, Raskolnikov, walking. Raskolnikov would clearly be the life of the party too. So I understand <laughs> I understand the insistence. No, he must so, be a real gas. Do you know who he would be? Um, remember that episode of Parks and Rec, and there's that kid that stands in the corner all the time at the parties and freaks out the whole uh, party. Standing in the corner the whole time, just adding a little, a little tension to the whole thing when everyone's <laughs> yeah. trying to have a good time. Except for Raskolnikov would just be like pacing around and like he'll be yep. doing like random walks and come back to the house and like try to sleep on like the random couches and stuff. But waiting to hear about the murder. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I, I, I heard about that murder. I didn't commit it, but I heard about it. Yeah, I heard the guy was super handsome and super uh, handsome. I heard it was the perfect. Perfect crime. The perfect crime. Everything. Uh, it wasn't sloppy. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I know anything about it. Yeah. And then he's just like, that's what I've heard. <laughs> and probably go to the next person and start talking about it. <laughs> oh, shit. But yeah, he just keeps on walking despite like Razumian trying to be a good friend and inviting him to the party. And he comes to a bridge, and there's a woman just standing there, looking through Raskolnikov as if he was a ghost. And then out of nowhere, she throws herself off the bridge and begins to drown. And a police officer, luckily, is nearby and rescues her. And a woman explains that she's tried to hang herself before, and Raskolnikov is just really disgusted by the scene and continues to walk. He finds himself at the pawnbroker's building, uh, and he enters the her old room in which the crime scene happened. And two workers are there cleaning and redecorating the room. 
just got back from Ikea and they're making it look really nice. Yep. He notices that they're replacing the wallpaper with flowers on it and he's like, oh, that is so disgusting. And then the workers like turn around because he's just like chilling there and the workers notice him and they're like, what are you doing here? And he responds, oh, I'm just looking for a new apartment. I was looking on Zillow, apartments.com. And the workers respond, it's nighttime. Now is not the time to be looking for apartments. And Raskolnikov is just kind of like, well, that's the time I like to look for apartments. And he just goes on and continues the rest of the apartment. Would you ever feel comfortable, you know, like um, these days, if someone dies in a house, they need to state it up front when they're like showing someone around. Would you be comfortable moving into a place like that if you knew about that kind of thing? Only if, remember the ghost realtor from Nathan for you? Do I ever? Only if she made sure that the house is ghost free. Oh, of course. Uh, yes. Her and that her and that big priest. <laughs> yes. In the Real name of Jesus Christ, I command you to get out. Get out. Oh. That episode is so funny. Just that whole series is... But yeah, I, I don't know um, if a crime scene happened there. Probably not. I mean, if it was a very nice house and it was very cheap, yes, maybe. It seems like it would be, um, it, I mean, it just sounds like the Amityville horror, the the real life murders, and then the people moved in. And you kind of think that there would probably be some kind of like weird energy in there just knowing that it happened. Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, I'd have to hire a professional like those boys that thankfully cleared out the succubus of that room. Yeah. Uh, thank God for them. <laughs> so, but yeah, so Raskolnikov, he just like continues to observe the apartment and he's like, I see the blood's been cleaned up. Uh, are you going to paint the floor now? And they look at him confused and they're just like, oh, what? what blood because they're they're unaware that um that this was a crime scene like they're just there oh. to like renovate it i guess and then raskolnikov is like well, well there was a murder here and, and then they leave the apartment because they're just like so disgusted by raskolnikov being you know just totally invasive and asking all these weird questions and then they complain to the porter the porter escorts raskolnikov down the stairs and throw him in the streets they just literally throw him and he tells himself he's like all right i'll go to the police station i guess and i'll confess everything but you know it takes a minute apparently the workers in there weren't aware of the murder but don't you think that the the dude running the house would think yeah there's this crazy guy who came by that knows about the murder in the room no one else knows about but i'm just gonna kick him out of here because <laughs> there's nothing wrong with this situation right here yeah there's nothing fishy no big at deal all. uh but this is the part that i thought was so cool because you know when you hear about these serial killers they always not saying raskolnikov is a serial killer but they always revisit the crime scene and that's how they catch a lot of serial killers is by just like camping out at those crime scenes because they're bound to visit those again. Right. So once again, just like those little details that are so interesting and part of like criminal psychology. Very interesting. Yes. 
But yeah, very, very cool on Dostoyevsky's part. Sure enough, he returned to scope out the scene. Yes. Very curious. Very curious. Of course. But yeah, so like, he tells himself that he's going to confess everything, but we got four more parts of this book to cover, and Mm -hmm. (laughs) so you know how that goes. Uh, Raskolnikov notices a crowd of disturbed people as he's um, wandering the streets again, and they're gathered around a horse, uh, like a horse and a carriage. And on the ground is a man who has been trampled by the horses. His face is really badly disfigured and it's bleeding. But through it all, Raskolnikov is able to recognize the man. And it's Marmoladov, the man who spilt his life story in the previous part. His friend that he met at the bar and the first handful of pages in the book. Yes. he He's a drunk. His uh, family doesn't have much respect for him. His wife likes beating him around. He doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. Marmoladov, he just keeps on getting the bad end of the stick. Yep. And But thankfully, Raskolnikov carefully brings him home i i would like to see this scene because raskolnikov is probably he's very skinny and very weak but somehow he's able to escort this man home and at the house his wife is pacing the room and she's reminiscing about her good life she had before the marriage and her children are just kind of like well geez mom uh it's kind of messed up and then Marmoladov is brought into the house and his wife tries to care for him. You know, she doesn't start pulling on his hair and dragging him across the room like the previous Not this encounter. Time. Not this time. She has little bits of uh, sympathy little for sympathy. him. Exactly. And Raskolnikov like tries to console her because she's angered by the amount of people that have gathered to watch the scene because it's pretty reminiscent of the previous time there at the apartment where the whole flat just comes in to watch uh, everyone hears here's a little ruckus and they come out of the woodwork yeah this is a uh, primetime tv right here entertainment right for them. yes but yeah so her landlady comes into the room among the crowd and starts to tell her to get the man to a hospital because obviously it's making the apartment look bad. They're going to get a couple two stars reviews after this uh, after this incident. Uh, and the, it's not a good look. No, not at all. Like the neighbors probably getting a, giving a one star like right now. And yep. so the crowd outside is just oh, it's so disgusting. But they start laughing because it's a bit comedic. Because like the landlady wants them. To get out, but this dude is like two minutes from his death. So the doctor arrives, thankfully. And even though like his chest is completely crushed in, like uh, he has a bunch of crushed in ribs. um, Raskolnikov is like, "Uh, so what are the chances, doc? (laughs) And uh, the doctor's like, well, Raskolnikov, he's pretty close to dying. And then a priest and their, the prostitute daughter, Sonia, enters the room. The wife, she starts freaking out and she's like, well, what am I going to do with the children? 
And she's like, oh, this is all God's fault. And then the priest is like, I can't say that. That's that's a sin right there. And then uh, the wife starts to do a complete 180. She was sympathetic for a second. And then she's like, just starts insulting her husband. And she's like, you're useless. You use all the money to drink. And then she's like, well, I guess it's one less person I have to support. And then the priest is like, uh, that's also a sin. <laughs> you can imagine the scene here, too. However many people crowded around the outside of this apartment and inside. And uh, everyone's doing their own thing. You got the guy dying on the bed, the woman pacing around who starts to berate the dying man. Yeah, Raskolnikov's got his own angle. Yeah, Raskolnikov is just kind of like chilling there as he usually yep. does. But yeah, like I, when I was reading the book and like when the priest is like, uh, that's a sin, ma'am. I, that was so funny. Um, and then Marmaladov, he's like, you know, obviously in his last 30 seconds of his life and he's asking for forgiveness and his wife is just like oh shut up and i would imagine that got laughs from the crowd and then he sees sonia (laughs) and uh, he like tries to get up and uh, but he falls to the ground and yeah he's seconds away from death at this point and then he's like well sonia will you forgive me and sonia was like waiting her turn the whole time because obviously she's very ashamed of her position she's the daughter that has to prostitute herself to support the family so she's just like all the children come before her because obviously her status is ruined but anyways despite her shame she holds her father until he dies so it's a pretty pretty emotional scene and then it instantly gets a interrupted and the wife is like well what what am i gonna do i i guess i have to bury him uh right now and what am i going to make for dinner tomorrow like that's what's on her mind right now is just like what what am i gonna make Uh, i don't know that she got over it pretty quick but uh she's already her her mind's already racing about very trivial things yes but i suppose it it would be very traumatizing being in this sort of situation so maybe maybe you're a little frantic afterwards yes and, and she's been very sickly this whole time like in the book and yeah just like losing herself like he, she used to be very stable and of a higher position in society but she's just slowly losing it but yeah after she like asking how she's gonna support herself raskolnikov is like hey i got like a a few more rublies i i figured out that's how you say it rubly rubly yes yeah and i believe these are these are the ones from his mother and sister from the letter that they they had sent previously i believe so i believe so and yeah once again it's his final dollar and he's like here this will help with the funeral costs and says he will help with what he he's basically yeah i'll be back in the future but this is too much bullshit and leaves and then one of the daughters follows him in to get more info about him and she recalls her father being good to them and like he would always be reading to them and teaching them grammar when he wasn't at the tavern let me be clear 
And Raskolnikov asks for her to pray for him, and she says she will, and hugs him goodbye. So that was it. Wasn't a- always bad times with this guy, apparently. Yeah, Mister Marmeladov. Yes, but I don't know. There's some pretty good scenes here. I mean, we saw a little bit of humanity in Raskolnikov at this little interaction, and um, the scene with his daughter like holding him to the death but mm-hmm. you know and yeah the the mental imagery of the guy with the caved in chest and bloody face yeah it was very descriptive in the book um scary yeah honestly can't do it justice yeah but he exits after this interaction with the daughter and goes to Resumian's house his friend is like oh my gosh we need to get you back home So he says that the doctor believes Raskolnikov is going mad due to his conversation he found out about the, or from the police detective. And then Raskolnikov becomes super uncomfortable and he's like, I am just so, so sad, like a woman. Uh, That was one of the quotes. And then they reach... Raskolnikov's building and they notice that a light is on in the room. They go up the stairs and enter the room. And then who should be in the room? And it is his mother and sister. They are waiting for him and go to embrace Raskolnikov. And he's just kind of, you know, once again, a moody teenager. Doesn't even go in for the hug. And he just stands still, not even lifting his arms or anything and once they embrace him with his with a hug he faints and that's where part two ends he's obviously been going through a lot and he just got the letter from his sister and mother saying that they're on their way he's met uh all these new characters you know at the same time we have with the doctor and the detective and all that kind of stuff but uh they have actually shown up his mother and sister, that is. Yeah, and it, like you're saying, like he knew they were coming, but you know he just totally was not expecting it because now he's going to have to deal with, oh my gosh, like what is my family going to think of me? And you know, obviously very annoyed because he can't really be himself because of the crime, and he realizes he starts to realize that. You know, any relationships he wants to have, they're pretty much done for. But that that will be coming in uh, part three and pretty much all the rest of the parts. So you guys will just have to uh, stay tuned. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was uh, one of my favorite parts of the book, for sure. Very eventful. Yes. yes. This... Uh... This guy's got a got a lot going on right now. Yep, and he just wants to be left alone, but damn it, everyone yep. just keeps on visiting him. So. He wants to just lay on his sofa looking at the wall. Yeah. Do you have any lingering thoughts on this part? You know, it's really it's really fun to get to the more exciting parts of this story. You obviously got to got to set the ground rules down a bit with the first part or whatever but now we're kind of getting to the nitty-gritty after the murder too we see that that takes a toll on pretty much everything that he does but then also 
out of the bottom of his heart or something, he picks up this guy he met one time and brings him to his house and all that kind of stuff and goes out of his way to help someone in need, I suppose. Kind of kind of strange. Yeah, he'll do these like little kind acts of humanity and with his new clothes and everything like that's getting him out of his old rags that actually had blood from the crime scene. But as we'll see going on from here, like there's a few moments like getting those new clothes that symbolize his redemption, so to speak, and like just his hard journey it's a very hard journey for him to go on this path of redemption he struggles with it a lot but what do you think that's uh that about wrap up your thoughts on the the whole ordeal yeah yeah i i would say so part two part two part two in the bag part two in the bag uh another great success we'll see how the critics like it here um very exciting yes but yeah thank you guys so much for listening mom dad friends family extended family hopefully we can reach out beyond that but yeah thank time will tell time will tell we're gonna keep on putting these out so thanks for listening if you are listening hopefully you've been reading the book along with us or at least um getting a good picture of the story as we tell it out from our perspective obviously cole's written the outline here so it's kind of seeing the story through his eyes a bit uh, in a way too but um and hopefully it makes sense (laughs) oh i'm sure it does Alrighty. Anyone out there listening, thank you for giving your time to us and um, have a good one. Yeah, times are tough right now, but yeah, hopefully this helps you guys out a little bit. Signing off. Signing off.